0: Good morning, Faith Fellowship. Okay, let's get to business. We have a lot to cover. First Samuel chapter four, all of it. (laughs) Okay, we're gonna try to do all of it. So we got to uh, leapfrog, quantum leaps (laughs) through this because there's twenty-two verses and they're jam packed. Our title this morning is not on my watch. One thing I want you to do is have a heart that just says, okay, there is a message for me as an individual that I need to take from this, and I need to hear from the Lord in terms of what it is that he's telling me to do. Uh, Next, perhaps, my next steps. Um, There's a perspective that you need to be weary of, There are things that we're going to cover that's just going to help guide you so that you don't um, end up as our dear Israel is in this circumstance that that they find themselves in. Our review from last week of just our chief concern last week was we can become hopeless in the face of difficult situations. So remember, this has been a challenging time for Israel, for the leadership of Israel. And really, I, I would say it's challenging for Samuel. I mean, he's in the middle of it watching it. He's heard from the Lord from a man that he probably sees like a father figure and that the Lord is going to deal with him and judge him. And so he's heard some some very harsh things. He's had to grow up very quickly. And so you know, last time, we were just talking about the work of the father and Samuel's heart for Eli and the Lord returns to Shiloh. But now, guys, that last part, and actually, Let's just look at it one more time in chapter three, just so we know how it ended. In verse 19, it says "And Samuel grew, and the Lord was with him and did not let none of his words fall to the ground. And all Israel, from Dan even to Beersheba, knew that Samuel was established to be a prophet of the Lord. And the Lord appeared again in Shiloh, for the Lord revealed himself to Samuel in Shiloh by the word of the Lord. This is gives us great hope. We know that change is coming. Remember, we said that this is restoration for Israel. This is the beginning of it as we see what's happening just in one individual's life. Praise the Lord. See, this is why I kind of am giving you the application up front, because you are individuals. We are a class together. We are the church. This is the body of Christ. But there is a thing that you kind of have to understand about what you bring to the table. Your following of the Lord is a necessary aspect. Guys, listen. The success or failure of faith fellowship and MBT at large solely depends on your engagement. So you want to be engaged. You want to be a part. You want to figure out. What part of the rope do you need to grab a hold of? If you think of just a rope that goes throughout, it's endless. We can't even see the end of it. And all of God's children have their hand on it. Where do you fit in that? What we're going to look at today is difficult. We have this hopefulness. We see that God has plans and has installed a man of God to restore this situation. And yet we will come up against war, and there will be casualties. Let's read our text. 1 Samuel chapter 4, 1 through 22. And the word of Samuel came to all Israel. Now Israel went out against the Philistines to battle and pitched beside Ebenezer, and the Philistines pitched in Aphex. And the Philistines put themselves in array, this would be like in a battle formation against Israel. And when they joined battle, Israel was smitten before the Philistines, and they slew of the army in the field about 4,000 men. And when the people were coming to the camp, the elders of Israel said, Wherefore hath the Lord smitten us today before the Philistines? Let us fetch the ark of the covenant of the Lord out of Shiloh unto us, that when it cometh among us, it may save us out of the hand of our enemies. So the people sent to Shiloh that they might bring from thence the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord of Hosts, which dwelleth between the cherubims and the two sons, Eli, uh, of, excuse me, of Eli, Hophni and Phineas, uh, where there were uh, with the Ark of the Covenant of God. And when the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord came into the camp, all Israel shouted with a great shout, so that the earth rang again. And when the Philistines heard the noise of the shout, they said, what meaneth the noise of this great shout in the camp of the Hebrews? And they understood that the ark of the Lord was coming to the camp. And the Philistines were afraid, for they say, God is coming to the camp. And they said, woe unto us, for there have not been such a thing heretofore. Woe unto us. Who shall deliver us out of the hand of these mighty gods? These are the gods that smote the Egyptians with all the plagues in the wilderness. Be strong and quit yourselves like men, O ye Philistines that you be not servants unto the Hebrews, as they have been to you. Quit yourselves like men and fight. And the Philistines fought. And Israel was smitten. And they fled every man into his tent. And there was a very great slaughter. For there fell of Israel 30,000 footmen. And the ark of God was taken. And the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, were slain. Remember, we've been told that. Here it is. Verse 12, and there ran a man of Benjamin out of the army and came to Shiloh the same day with his clothes rent and with earth upon his head. And when he came, lo, Eli sat upon a seat by the wayside watching, for his heart trembled for the ark. Notice what it trembled for and what it doesn't say it trembled for. (laughs) Kind of interesting. Uh, And when the man came into the city and told it, all the city cried out. And when Eli heard the noise of the crying, he said, what meaneth the noise of this tumult? And the man came in hastily and told Eli. Now, Eli was 98 years old, y'all, and his eyes were dim that he could not see. And the man said unto Eli, I am he that came out of the army, and I fled today out of the army. And he said, what is there done, my son? And the messenger answered and said, Israel is fled before the Philistines, and there hath been also a great slaughter among the people and thy two sons also, Hophni and Phinehas, are dead, and the ark of God is taken. And it came to pass, when he had mentioned of the ark of God, that he fell from off the seat backward by the side of the gate, and his neck broke, and he died, for he was an old man and heavy. And he had judged Israel forty years. And his daughter-in-law, Phinehas' wife, was with child, near to be delivered. And when she heard the tidings that the ark of God was taken, and that her father-in-law and her husband were dead, she bowed herself and travailed. Her sorrow was so great, y'all, that it caused her to go into labor. Verse 20. And about the time of her death, the woman that stood by her said unto her, Fear not, for thou hast borne a son. But she answered not, neither did she regard it. And she named the child Ichabod, saying, the glory has departed from Israel because the ark of God was taken and because of her father-in-law and her husband. And she said, the glory has departed from Israel for the ark of God is taken. Tough chapter. Man, you end on such a good note. You see this greatness take place and you're like, man, okay, restoration, let's go. And then you start reading, you're like, what happened? So what's happening here, y'all? Israel has chosen a war with the Philistines. And the effect that it's having is God judges Israel. That's obviously an oversimplification, but it is just straight to the point. There's something that we need to get about this. Our chief concern this morning is this. Not taking heed to God's word will lead to disobedience. Not taking heed to God's word will lead to disobedience. And we have a simple outline this morning just to help you to have your bearings. You see that the word is given from verses 1 through 4. And then in terms of kind of where we're going to be parked at is the casualty of religion. Casualty of self-service, verses 12 through 18. Casualty of being a castaway. And as we kind of set our mind to just the aspect of we're looking at leadership, man, we don't want ourselves to be casualties to these things. And we have to understand that there is something great that has taken place and we need to know this. God is dealing with his people, y'all. But it's different in the New Testament. You can read this and be like very discouraged. So let me settle you down. Hebrews 12, 7 through 12, it's not on the screen here. Just listen to me for a second. If ye endure chastening, God with you with you as with sons. For what son is he whom the father chasteneth not? But if ye be without chastisement, whereof are all partakers? Then are ye bastards and not sons." You see that? Isn't that kind of an interesting aspect? So this association to the Lord as a result of the chastisement that comes when sin is there, disobedience is there, the Lord needs to do. This is actually a good thing that God is doing. It goes on to say, furthermore, We have had fathers of our flesh which corrected us and we gave them reverence. Shall we not much rather be in subjection unto the father of spirits and live? For they verily for a few days chastened us after their own pleasure. But he for our profit that we might be partakers of his holiness. Now, no chastening for the present seemed to be joyous, but grievous. Nevertheless, afterward it yielded the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. Wherefore, lift up the hands which hang down in the feeble knees." See, we have to have this kind of perspective that God is dealing with his house. Defeat is noteworthy when it comes to Israel. There are two passages I want you to write down for a study to look at. One is in uh, Joshua 7, 1 through 5. This is the defeat at Ai. And the reason that they get that defeat is that is because of sin in the camp. It's a thing that is unknown to Joshua. And so now Joshua sinned after a great victory of Jericho. Remember. I love Brian Clark's uh, retelling of <laughs> Jericho is hilarious <laughs> because he's like it doesn't make any sense that these guys get dressed and we're going to walk around <laughs> this structure and then yell and then the walls come down. What are we doing? You know, it just of course Brian Clark it's hilarious, but it's true. And the thing that's kind of interesting about it is it sets something up for us that we need to understand is that God fights our battles. The next one that's super critical is Numbers 14, 40 through 45. This is when the spies come back. And now the Lord has basically said, after he has listened to the complaining about how good the promised land is, and now they go into, um, they try to like correct. They want to fight with, the, with Amalek and his group And Moses is like, hey, uh, God is not with you. Don't do that. And well, they go up. Slaughter. So you need to understand that God doesn't just allow defeat for no reason. The way God uses these situations is to chastise. Now, this is why it was important for us to look at the doctrine that we're in currently under grace. Praise the Lord for Jesus Christ. Because it is very different under the law, but it foreshadows still the Lord will deal with his home. He's a good father in that way. And so this is not okay what Israel is doing. And so you could miss it very easily by looking at verse 1 and saying, and the word of Samuel came to all Israel. Remember I said Israel is being chastised. The Lord had said something, and he didn't say anything about going to war with the Philistines. Now maybe uh, you think I'm crazy, but you would just have to go back to 1 Samuel chapter 3. Everything that he told Samuel was dealing with Eli and his family. And he said, I will do a thing in Israel. So why are we fighting the Philistines? See what I'm saying? This is when you don't have a regard for God's word, man, it just leads you to a place of disobedience. See, I need to tell you something else just to comfort for those of you that may not yet have decided um, to receive the the gift of salvation. The nice thing also, well, better than nice thing. That's just not the right word. Um, The incredible thing is that the Lord has spared us from the wrath to come as a result of his son, Jesus Christ. The Bible says in 1 Thessalonians 1.10, and to wait for a son from heaven whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, which delivered us from the wrath to come. Listen, if this morning there is anybody that will listen to this or that will eventually see this that hasn't received the Lord Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I beg you. There is a judgment coming, and you cannot withstand what that judgment is. But if you have the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, man, you will avoid the wrath to come. And so now that we have taken care of the business of just looking at this through the right lens and not trying to put Israel's chastisement on me as a New Testament believer, okay, that would be wrong to do. We're not going to do that this morning. But we are going to be able to learn some things that we could avoid. Because Israel is a picture of the New Testament believer. And so we get a chance to analyze their lives and how they function and how they respond to God, really, in a way that says, what can I learn from the potholes that perhaps they, they drove into? OK, so that's what we're going to do this morning. Now, let's get into it. We've got a lot to cover. All right. So if we just go back to those first four verses, let's look at them again with that perspective. And the word of Samuel came to all Israel. Now Israel went out against the Philistines to battle and pitched beside Ebenezer, which is north of Jerusalem, also known as the Stone of Help. And Aphex potentially could be a royal city of the Canaanites. This would have been discussed a bit in Joshua as there was that book is full of conquests, and so there's kind of a mention of things in more generic terms like that. And so, this aphex could be <clears throat> that very city. Then it goes on to say, and the Philistines put themselves in array against Israel. I mean, Israel starts this, and the thing that is kind of amazing to me is, did anybody ask God? I mean, so we get this word from, from Samuel, he's telling us about. Eli, Hophni, and Phineas. And that sounded like the Philistine. Phineas, Philistine. Maybe. (laughs) I mean, maybe they just jumped to that conclusion. But why are we here? What are we doing, guys? Did anybody ask the priest? Did the priest ask God? You see what I'm saying? There's no regard. I'm just out here. Coming up with my own ideas. The thing that is kind of important to understand is God is allowing Israel because, man, we got defeat. In verse 2, verse 2, and the Philistines put themselves in array against Israel. When they joined battle, Israel was smitten before the Philistines, and they slew of the army in the field about 4,000 men. Like, they didn't even learn their lesson then. The Lord is intended to bring them to a low spot in Psalm 79, 7 and 8. That's Psalm 79, 7 and 8. For they have devoured Jacob and laid waste his dwelling place. Oh, remember not against us former iniquities. Let thy tender mercies speedily prevent us, for we are but very low. The Lord is trying to bring them to a place of humility. Because when you don't have regard for God's word, you just do what you want to do. And so that first defeat was an opportunity. This is the thing. Pastor James said it last week. The well is a blessing. This 4,000 is a blessing. But we've already read, so we know it gets worse. God is upset, y'all. As a good father, he has every right to be. He is bringing restoration to Israel's front door. They have an opportunity to say, Samuel, Tell us, what is, our, what is the next thing we need to do? No, they just come to their own conclusion, and then it gets even better. Verse 3, uh, uh, three and when the people were coming to the camp, the elders said, Lord, help our leaders. The elders of Israel said, Wherefore the Lord has smitten us today before the Philistines. Let us fetch the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord out of Shiloh unto us, that when it cometh among us, it may save us out of the hand of our enemies. So the people went to Shiloh that they might bring from thence the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord of hosts, which dwelleth between the cherubims and the two sons of Eli, Hophni, and Phinehas were there with the Ark of the Covenant of God. Well, we know those cats ain't gonna help anybody come to right understanding about what to do (laughs) which is why they ended up where they are and so this is just to lay the groundwork for a lot of missteps and the other thing that's really important here is that it's not enough for Phineas and Hophni to be sons of the priests which that has a role and you could do that research and look excuse me look at that and Aaron and his sons and just kind of the function of what they have of of uh, temple ministry but ultimately The thing is, is like, this is just a form of godliness. Like, you just have the title. You're not doing anything that says, hey, hold up, Israel, let's time out. Let's talk to the Lord about this first, right? And so, this leads us into the section where we're really gonna dig down is this casualty of religion. That's how I want you to look at this because you see that there is just this. Well, I'm going to just move. I'm not going to consider the Lord. I'm going to just move and do my thing. Verse 5, and when the ark of the covenant of the Lord came into the camp, all Israel shouted with a great shout so that the earth rang out. Boy, I love this verse. just in Job 20 and verse 5. It says that the triumphing of the wicked is short and the joy of the hypocrite but for a moment. You see it rang out, but uh, that's not going to be very long. And it's interesting to me of just where the Philistine's position is, you know, they're like they hear this noise and they give more reverence to the Lord for a moment than even Israel does. You guys realize that they say here they heard the noise of shout and they said, what mean at the noise of this great shout in the camp of the Hebrews? And they understood the ark of the Lord was coming to the camp. They know this is a mighty thing. Uh Oh, <laughs> this might be trouble. Then it goes on to say. They understood the Ark of the Lord was in, into the camp. The Philistines had taken note of the invigorated. Oh, yeah, that's my notes. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> and so, and the Philistines were afraid, and they said, God has come into the camp. And they said, woe unto us, for there have not been such a thing. Like, again, they are assigning some reverence. But listen, this kind of happens in our own lives. When we're not... Walking right there may be some things that they can kind of identify in us that is associated with God But when it comes down to it if your heart isn't right with the Lord It's gonna show up And then it's not gonna come off very good This happens to us especially in the work environment we can say all the things I'm blessed and highly favored your cubicle It looks like a shrine you got crosses and all of this stuff on But then the minute you are pressed at work, you are cussing everybody out, (laughs) you know. And so then they just go, "Okay, yeah, thanks. No, no, thanks. I was going to ask you for prayer for my situation, but I don't, I don't need to." So these guys give some. They know the Hebrews, and I love on some level they even know the story now. The whole gods and even Big G, and there, we'll talk about that here in a minute. Woe unto us, verse 8. Who shall deliver us out of the hand of these mighty gods? OK. <laughs> so see, this is, what, this is why your testimony matters, is because people don't know what they're talking about. And they can come up. And YouTube University has led people to all kind of crazy ideas. So now, on one hand, there is this reverence but they lack knowledge. They don't know the Lord either, very clearly, because what they do is assign that to these men. And why are you like, well, Dale, man, you're pressing on an issue that doesn't really matter? All right. Exodus 7:5, and the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord, all caps, when I stretch forth my hand upon Egypt and bring out the children of Israel from among them. See, It was clear to the Egyptians who God was. It's not clear to these Philistines. Why? Because these guys, they just looked apart. Their heart could not be any further from the Lord. This is dangerous, y'all. Verse 9, so then what do they do? They rally. Listen, by this time, of samuel there's enough history of the way the lord handles things that you absolutely should not be taking the fight to israel unless you know all these these cats yeah we're gonna take it to them and boy do they get this perversion of our first corinthians 6 13 Be strong and quit yourselves like men, O ye Philistines, that ye be not servants unto the Hebrews as they have been to you. Didn't it sound familiar when I read it? Yeah, that's 1 Corinthians 16, 13. And the Philistines fought and Israel was smitten and they fled every man to his tent. And there was a very great slaughter for there fell Israel 30,000 men. I want to spend just a little bit of time right here. When it says, and they fled every man into his tent, this is a big deal. Because this tells you now there is a scattering of principle. They are not organized in what they're doing. And now, going to his own tent means he's going to his own agenda. Judges uh, chapter 28 through 11 says this, and all the people arose as one man, saying, we will not any of us go to his tent, neither will any of us turn into his house, but now this shall be the thing which we shall do to Gibeah. We will go up by lot against it. We will take ten men of a hundred throughout all the tribes of Israel, and a hundred of a thousand, and thousand out of ten thousand, to fetch victuals for the people that they may do when they come to Gibeah of Benjamin, according to all the folly that they have wrought in Israel. So all the men of Israel were gathered against the city, knit together as one man, period. Everybody's in their tent now. The fight has come, and now we just scatter. So now you're seeing something else just in terms of, man, it puts you on an island. When you don't take heed to God's word and you disobey, it puts you on an island. Now you're by yourself. You may have one or two that agree, but that's not enough to fight these Philistines. It's the Philistines, legendary warriors. So this leads us to our first key point. Good leaders, y'all, seek the Lord and wait for his leading. Good leaders seek the Lord and wait for his leading. Psalms 25.5 says, leave me in thy truth and teach me, for thou art the God of my salvation. On thee do I wait all the day. That position is not a position of religion. That's a position of righteousness. You can't get there just from having the garb, just from knowing the lingo, just from, listen, let me take it a step further, just from attending. It matters that you attend. We absolutely want you to be a part of any the doors are open in this place, primarily Sunday, Tuesday, and whatever day your Bible study is a part of. We absolutely want you to be a part of that. But listen, the thing that should be happening is, is you are coming here with an with expectation to hear from God, not just to say, hey, Dell, I know you're taking roll. Uh, I was here. It doesn't matter <laughs> what I think. It doesn't matter. The thing is, is you should come with expectation. Guys, listen. Don't let your association lead you down a path of destruction. A lot of people are going to go to hell like that because grandma was saved. But that's fine for grandma. Were you? Did you seek the Lord? Did you ask the Lord to be your Lord and Savior? See, this is why on the individual aspect, it matters. Because the one thing I want to point out you may have missed, where's Samuel? He's not even mentioned here. Why? Because he's in Shiloh, safe. You notice that? No mention of him, other than the first part where it says, and the word of the Lord came to him. This dude is safe. He's good. See, you don't want to be guilty of moving ahead of God just solely on your association or even past. Uh, victories. Listen, you need to be at a place that is borderline between desperation and confident in God's ability, and that line is a fine line, but you got to stay there. If I just think that, oh well, surely this will work out. God's got me. God's got me. I'm gonna buy this car I can't afford, and I can't afford the insurance or the gas or anything, and then the next thing I'm doing is now I'm begging God to show up and help me out. Like, I treat God like a payday loan. Mm -hmm. Guys, we have to stop making decisions like that. Seek the Lord. Wait for his leading. Now, the next thing that we we need to come up against here is 12 through 18, this casualty of self-service. And so now you find ourselves, we're finally The man of war comes to the man of God. In verse 12, it says, and there ran a man of Benjamin out of the army and came to Shiloh the same day with his clothes rent and with earth upon his head, just letting us know he's poor in spirit. He's been humbled by the battle. So this is why he has this earth on his his head. Verse 13, and when he came to Eli, Eli sat upon a seat wayside, watching for his heart trembled for the ark of God. And when the man came into the city and told it, all the city cried out. And when Eli heard the noise of the crying, he said, what meaneth the noise of this tumult?" The man came in hastily and told Eli and Israel. Man, at this point, is confused, just like Eli is. I mean, that, Eli doesn't know what's going on. Israel don't know what's going on. Because he's a picture of their spiritual state. So every time we watch him, we can really get some analysis into where they are. Because he's the spiritual leader. And the man said to Eli, I am he that came out of the army. And I fled today out of the army. And he said, what is there done, my son? And the messenger answered and said, Israel has fled before the Philistines. And there have been also a great slaughter among the people. And my two sons, Hophni and Phinehas, are dead. And the ark of God is taken. And it came to pass, when he had mentioned the ark of God, that he fell from the seat backward by the side of the gate and his neck brake, and he died, for he was an old man and heavy And get this, just on the end, they just give you just a window into something very important. And he judged Israel 40 years. He may have been the judge over Israel, but he failed at judging himself and his own actions and his son's. And so next key point is this, good leaders keep a high value for the things of God. Good leaders keep a high value for the things of God. Notice that something now is precious to them as a result of it being gone. And that's the ark of God, the presence of God. Guys, you have to make that, keep that at the forefront of your minds. Have a high value on it. It will guide and lead the way you feel about anything. What, how do you see your word? Is it the thing that is worthy just to put on the shelf? What do you see the opportunities that God has presented you with, the church that you're in? Man, people so flippantly just change churches like changing clothes. Listen, I'm not leaving this place until one of our pastors or all of them say, Dale, hey, see ya." Praise the Lord. I'm going. And Then at that point, I will obey. But until then, I'm here. Why? Because I value what this place offers me, the sharpening that I get in this place. You're not going to just find that anywhere. You, man, trying to find a church that's going to invest the word of God in you and in your children? We're not babysitting those kids over there. They're teaching them the word. It's huge. You can be any age in this church, and somebody's going to invest the word of God in you. There is opportunity that abounds. Man, you can disciple, you can be a Bible study leader, you can be a preacher if you're a guy, you can be a pastor if you're a guy, you can be a missionary or church planner. Guys, you got to put some value on these opportunities, y'all. Don't wait till it's gone to say, oh, my God, the ark is gone, and then you fall over dead. Good leaders keep a high value for the things of God. Because listen, self-service puts your will as the reward. Self-service puts your will as the reward. Philippians 3:17 through 21 says, Brethren, be followers together of me and mark them which walk so as ye have us for an ensample. For many walk, of whom I have told you often, and now tell you even weeping, that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, whose glory is in their shame, who mind earthly things. For our conversation is in heaven, from whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall change our vile body, that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body according to the working, whereby he is able even to subdue all things unto himself guys listen don't let your shame be your glory cast that off see this is what my issue was with Eli I don't I'm not trying to villainize him but the thing is is I'm just looking at the lifelines that the Lord is sending him the first time that the Lord says something to him specifically that should have brought him to his knees and said Lord what, do you, what would you have me do? How do I correct this? Well, we didn't see that. He just let it happen. And then Samuel tells him. And then he's like, you know, remember his statement. was kind of like, well, the Lord has said it. Man, what have we got to do to light a fire? God is, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kill this guy. Well, OK. Uh, hey. Um, can we talk about this for a second? I mean, like, wait, wait, wait. Um, is there something? Do I need to kill my sons? I mean, what do we, what do we need to do? I'm just kidding. That's you know. <laughs> But ultimately, something, something. Just what does he get excited about? Oh, the ark of the God of God is gone now. That's the only time we see his heart pulse really move. And then, obviously, the work he did with Samuel, that is noteworthy. And the nice thing is, is at least he will have that to his credit. He loved him. Samuel's growing up, grown up to be a fine young man. He's going to be the, the leader of Israel. He replaced himself in ministry. But yet, <laughs> Israel is having a hard day. Man, we got to be careful, y'all. Last area. Casualty of being a castaway. Phineas, his wife dies, giving birth to her child, Ichabod. It says here, 19, and his daughter-in-law, speaking of Eli, Phineas' wife was with child, near to be delivered. And when she heard everything that happened, man, the tidings of the ark, what happened to her father-in-law, what happened to her husband, she bowed herself in travail, for her pains came upon her about the time of her death, the woman that stood by her said unto her, Fear not, for thou hast borne a son. You guys know just uh, culturally how important it is to have a son uh, for her. I mean, at this point, she's probably dead. I mean, this is hard. This ends hard. And this thing I want to point out to you here, verse 21. And she named the child by saying, the glory is departed from Israel because the ark of God was taken and because of her father-in-law and her husband. And she said, the glory is departed from Israel for the ark of God is taken. Our next key point, our last key point is this. Good leaders stay close to the Lord for their sake and for the sake of others. Good leaders stay close to the Lord for their sake and for the sake of others. It is particularly interesting in light of Israel being a picture of the church and seeing that now their glory has departed. 1 Corinthians 9, 24, 27. See, this is going to put some responsibility back in our lap as individuals. Know ye not that they which run a race run all, but one receiveth the prize. So run that you may obtain. And every man that striving for the mastery is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we and an incorruptible. I therefore, so you see how we went from the group to now singular. Paul's telling you the example. He's the example. Okay, so what is he saying? I therefore so run, not as uncertainly, so fight I, not as one that beateth the air, but I keep under my body and bring it unto subjection, lest that by any means When I have preached to, you see it, corporate, to others, I myself should be a castaway. See, listen, your service to the Lord matters and God wants to use you. And if you are in a state like Israel is, you have confused Philistines, you got death just, I mean, happening 34,000, now Phineas' wife. I mean, this is just a bloody day in the history of Israel. And this all could have been avoided by taking heed to God's word. Like, that's how simple this has to be for us. If I just obey, what will happen? It will work out. We simply have to seek righteousness, value where God has us, and stay close to him. And I promise you, God will lead you. And he will give you opportunity and so listen the application for you this morning is this what is god saying to you this morning it's my heart guys and i believe it's because it's the lord's heart that we have a just a constant rotation of good leaders being developed in this class and um the Lord has already blessed you with the opportunities. Some of you are parents. Some of you have this great relationship as aunt and uncle in your families. Some of you are Bible study leaders. Some of you are disciplers. And listen, don't, man, you can get so self-focused that you lose sight of all that God is doing around you, and you, and you lose value for it. And God made you who you are. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. Yield yourself to him. That's that's all I'm saying, man. Don't don't come here just for nothing, just to show up so that somebody you can lock eyes with and say I, I was here. Okay, now leave me alone. You know? No, man. When you come here, it should be that God is going to talk to you. And yeah. prayer. You now we we get to talk back to him, and lay these requests at his feet. We're you know what we're in conversation and then personally I can be at home and my word having good devotion time and so what's God saying to you this morning and how does this affect your next steps okay those are two questions I want you to just ask yourself let's pray Heavenly Father Lord, I do thank you um, just for um, really the simplicity of your word. Lord, this is a hard chapter. It's hard to hear these things. Uh, we don't enjoy uh, just reading about defeat when it's avoidable. Um, but Lord, we understand that it still is a necessary part of your perfect plan. And, and Lord, it, I pray that it would just mean a lot to us this morning. Perhaps some of us, Lord, have been uh, taking some losses. Lord, could it be that if we just simply obey your word that you would bring victory to our doorstep? And so, Father, that's what I'm asking for, is that you would uh, bring us to a place of victory in our lives. And then, Lord, for those that don't know you, that, Lord, that first they they would receive the gift of salvation. And so, Father, um, help us to just internally look and see what it is that, that you're saying that our next steps need to be. Please guide us. Lord, we need you, we love you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.